to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and joining me tonight, I've got uh, a musician, a singer-songwriter uh, who's played in a number of projects of the last couple of years. Um, he's released music under his own name. He's got a uh, old-time arrangements uh, record that came out in 2017, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, he's played with Matthew Davies and Thrift Tones. He's played with Joseph Huber. Uh, he's played with Abdo, Abdu Kambaye. Um, and uh, Jesse Walker Band, right? Yeah, the Jesse Walker's Hitch. Hitch, that's it. Yeah, he's played with uh, several different projects. He's known for his upright bass work. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk to him. Uh, about his passions, artistry, and why he does what he does while he's on Zed Kenzo's computer tonight. Um, <laughs> just wanted to acknowledge that right off the bat. Um, thank you for joining me tonight, Eston Bennett. Hey, hey. Uh, good to see you, man. How are you? Doing good. Yeah. Doing good. Trying to, actually, not even trying to, because that's kind of like an easy or just like a weird default answer, been keeping busy uh, and productive, you know, despite rapid changes of everything, I suppose. Right, yeah, as good as anyone really can do these days. Right. Yeah, what'd you do today? Um, oh man, well actually, so we're speaking of uh, one of the groups that I play with here is, um, I had to help old Joseph Huber out um, because his key broke off in his car at about oh. like uh, one o'clock midnight last night. And uh, he's a fantastic woodworker too. So I was helping him get in and around the shop um, this morning. But honestly, it's been a day off. So it's been like kind of procrastinating. Exercised. <laughs> Good. Good. Damn. That's a real bummer. Uh that old Joe's key got uh, <laughs> messed up there. Yeah. But yeah, he is a really talented woodworker. I saw that like desk or whatever that was he just made. Totally. Had, had a really beautiful finish. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, that's amazing how he's got that hustle um, along with his music. Um, yeah, I think but, that's uh, definitely come in handy for him right now for sure. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, you had a busy day yesterday. Um, yeah. So we moved this to today. And uh, I'm excited to kick back, uh, spill some beer and uh, <laughs> talk about music, man, because God, I, I miss live music so much. Same. Um, yeah, absolutely. For <clears throat> a lot of reasons. Same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, which we'll talk about more in a bit. But first, um, as in what we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion, and creativity. And I believe the first time we met was when I went to go cover the Thrift Tone show at the now defunct Paps Tap Room. I know, sad. I heard that, that it's not, it's not a thing anymore. That was a really cool place. It was a beautiful venue, man. Um, and like, it also like wasn't totally discovered by a lot of the music scene yet like you know there are 
you know, I saw so many great shows there, but there are a lot of people that still didn't really know about that venue and like, or really just that whole area of the city that's been so up and coming. Right. You know, so. Well, and I think it had a bunch of potential. Like we had people from out of town coming through Milwaukee um, that we had done shows with on the road and stuff like that. And I was really surprised to hear them say that, yeah, we're playing at this venue was happy because it's, you know, had a lot of, had, uh, had a lot of potential. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd been to a couple all like kind of local shows there and I know they were doing some free kind of free jazz, the Argo Pelzer thing there. So I'd been to that a couple of times, but I never really saw more than 50 people in the thing. Like maybe that night, that thrift tones night that you were there, that might've been one of the few nights I ever saw. Yeah. 50 around that there. Yeah. Um, we used to throw, we did the monthly breaking and entering series there. And um, there was, there were a couple hip hop shows that really filled that place up. Awesome. Um, and yeah, like that was a totally like um, switch in vibes from the more like mellow singer songwriter nights that I'm used to over there. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of that, but yeah. And, but I've seen you play with, um, you know, uh, saw you play with uh, Abdu Kambaye at Circle A mm-hmm. about a year ago now. Yep, dude, yep. shout out to shout out to him. He's so incredible. Yeah, he makes beautiful music. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I didn't even exactly realize this that he also just straight up made his instrument too, which is like was pretty mind blowing to me when he told me that. Um, yeah. that's been something that I'm pretty happy has. Um, obviously we haven't performed out or anything like that but um, we've been still getting together and playing music and uh, trying to trying to get some recording stuff down and just uh, sort of arranging things and how we're going to do it but yeah he's a fantastic musician cool dude overall yeah yeah he is a cool dude Um, also saw you with Joseph Huber too at High Dive uh, for yep. our buddy Nick Blaine, Nick Lang's birthday. That's right. Yep. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Nick Lang. Um, yeah. And, and shout out to the Derek Pritzel band too, because I remember they really brought it down that night. Dude, yeah, they played like four encores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was super super fun. Um, and I love like anything Andrew Koenig is involved in too. Like he's super fucking talented great guy um yeah yeah uh, you you uh you're involved in a in a really like um uh su- like a superb pocket of musicians it seems like uh that play a lot together mm-hmm. uh, and uh we'll get into that too but Eston, first we'll start with um what so uh where are you originally from i'm from milwaukee okay yep yeah, and literally, I mean, I'm currently in a house like a mile away from where my parents currently live and where I grew up mostly. There you go. That's dope. Uh, you still uh, get to see them often? Yeah. Yeah, I usually swing by. And um, I mean, they're, they've always been really big music fans and they've been very big supporters of me, very grateful of that. So before this even, I wouldn't like necessarily need to try because they would always hop out 
you know, and be at shows and stuff, which is cool and hilarious at the same time. Yeah. Depending, I suppose, on the show. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Um uh yeah, yeah. No, it's it's always dope when uh, mom and dad come out to uh you know, support the grind. Um Well, and I've been really surprised too, um, because especially um especially for like live performance, you know, um, it's been easy with the upright bass and because there's like kind of a scene for it around here to be playing a lot of like folk music and uh, that sort of genre, um, Americana sort of thing. But they both immigrate here from the UK and just have never had any of that in their world view or anything. So they were super confused when I first started doing that and they were coming to the shows just totally confused um but they like it they got into it you know that's cool that's that is a really interesting dynamic um to come from and then uh be exposed to here yeah yeah um what were they into like music wise um i mean i grew up with them listening to mostly r&b um and then my dad introduced me to reggae and dub music and then that was a lot of what me and him listened to um and he's always kind of kept up on stuff you know he'll try to tell me about new bands and stuff like that too and he's you know pretty on it kind of like alternative rock but it was mostly a it was mostly r&b like <laughs> 80s 90s style oh yeah hey oh uh, we love that stuff that's yeah. great stuff no, absolutely. I mean, that's I'd still listen to that. Honestly, I listen to I listen to R and B way more than I listen to any kind of folk music or anything like that. You know? Yeah, yeah, I feel that for sure. Um, so, okay, well, that kind of answers a question I was going to ask. This is kind of like what you grew up listening to, um, but I guess like you know that that could still. Uh, uh, beg the question of like when did you kind of like start getting into like Americana and folk music and that kind of stuff sure um from all the like 60s and 70s like Woodstock sort of stuff um just like yeah like in high school like discovering pot and then all of a sudden all this music that is like culturally pot you know and just like whatever all that Woodstock stuff I was like super enamored with Bob Dylan and um Neil Young and then it was just like kind of moving backwards and moving backwards um and then it just got cemented in I had no idea I went to college in the Twin Cities and just had no idea that there was such a big scene of music like that there and um yeah it's kind of one of these place and time things because um it was like, oh, it's the, that dude has an upright bass. Like, well, you know, oh, you can play it. That's cool. So I just ended up getting, it was there. The opportunity was there. So I took it, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, are you a Wilco fan? Um, I really, really like Uncle Tupelo. And oh, okay. uh, there's definitely some Wilco songs that I also really like. That was the last big show. I saw before COVID. Hit. Okay. Um, it was literally like four days before uh, lockdown, um, but they came to the Sylvie. 
and Jeff Tweedy was like making jokes about COVID and like he's like, oh, I've, I'm a little sick, you know, I have a cough, but <laughs> hope it's not the virus. And everyone was like, ah, ha, 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 yeah, he's talking about that pandemic, right? Like, literally, like four days later, we're like, holy shit, we got to take this seriously, right? Um, but yeah, no, I I've heard that's an amazing show. Yeah, it was really fucking fun. It was, I mean, it's very potent. You know, it's just a lot of Wilco songs are very emotional, but uh, yeah, it's soft-spoken love songs with like the jangly uh, jams. Like, yeah, Wilco's mm-hmm. definitely a great show. Um, uh, underrated thing about Wilco, I think, is the auxiliary percussion that is mm-hmm. kind of throughout the whole thing. Um, so in the Thrift Tones, uh, our drummer, uh, Tom Jones, he, um, I know that that is, was a certain sort of influence on him. And, uh, so he kind of actually turned me onto it in a big way. And he would always play, you call the bag of tricks and just have all this sort of weird sticks and shakers duct taped together that he uses to hit cymbals. And like, it all seems super bizarre, but then it comes out and sounds really really good so i started picking it up from him in other music and yeah wilco does that really good (laughs) i might have to go back and watch some more live performances and pay more attention to that it's cool just be like over the shoulder there's someone's like doing a little bit of shaker and then just kind of going and hitting something in the corner right yeah yeah you could they're definitely a band like you could have a ball just you know if you fixate on any one of the members like what they're doing at any given time totally um so when did you kind of when did you start playing like when uh where did your musical background all start um i was lucky enough to have uh i had orchestra in my elementary school so i started playing the upright bass uh in fourth grade um and it was just it was like kind of a thing that uh like my neighborhood friends were all gonna go and do um it was cool you know my parents were pretty cool about a lot of stuff like they didn't really put a ton of pressure on me to go and do anything but then if I had an interest they'd be like yeah man go for it so they didn't really put a big go do music thing but it was just like I wanted to hang out with my friends and they were all in a class so I could do that and uh I started on the cello but then my best friend uh, played upright bass. So then I was like, well, I can sit closer to you if I play this and then yeah. stop, thankfully. Um, this is kind of crazy too, um, just as far as like Milwaukee sort of things. Um, Johanna Rose, also amazing, uh, very talented upright bass player, writer, singer, the whole deal. Um, went to the same high school or well, this would be elementary school, the same school system um, as me and was my first upright bass teacher. Word. Uh Uh-huh. As also a youth, you know? (laughs) Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. Shout out to Johanna. They're so, so talented. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That is some real small walkie shit. Seriously. Seriously. Yeah. Dope. Um, So that's how it started. Mm-hmm. um what was your like first band um <laughs> i mean i guess it depends on how you def- like 
how you define that, you know? Like, like outside of school. Outside, outside of school. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so it was probably when I, probably when I moved to the Twin Cities um, for college and um, I got introduced to some people that did like, it's kind of like Santana style psychedelic music. Mm-hmm. Um, and then did that for a little while. And then um, from there met other cats who were more into the acoustic side of things. And then I was playing electric bass in the nice like Santana style thing. Um, and then ended up doing, stumbling into bluegrass bands um, in the Twin Cities. Yeah. But I think all of them, every single, well, the only band that I think is not defunct and they're still going strong is the Gin Strings. Um, I think I was like maybe their second, second bass player. Um, but they're still doing it, I think. Um, and they've got two pretty cool records. Right. Shout out to them. Shout out to the Gin Strings. You know? the gin Strings. Yeah, they were doing like that kind of weird, like, oh, what would be even the word? I mean, they're all great players. So I'm not going to say this in like a negative way, but you know, like Chris Teeley, like cats like that are, you know, like virtuosic level. So it was kind of like trying to do like, weird progressions and weird time signatures with bluegrass but <laughs> on a very different competency level i was really hanging on for dear life um unfortunately until right like right when i left the band is when i started getting comfortable um playing that uh but they were all they were all really really good players <laughs> so hey that's that's tight um did you like, did you like being in the Twin Cities? I've, I haven't been in them too much. Um, like I saw a show there like almost two years ago now, but I've heard the music scene there is awesome. Yeah, there's, I mean, and like I said, I mean, it's been, it's been a while since I've been back, to be honest. Um, and I've been up with the Joseph Huber band in the last couple of years, but it's been it, like nothing to visit or anything like that. Um, but when I was there, there was, I mean, tons of venues everywhere. And um, I mean, for me, starting off, you know, not even being old enough to drink at these places, you know, and just like writing really primitive songs and being like, this is great. We're doing this right now, you know, kind of half-baked covers. It was still, there was still venues where you could get a foot in the door and make it happen. And lots of random patronage, you know, like people hanging out at, venues and stuff like that you know just catching mm-hmm. stuff and and tons of musicians there's tons of musicians there oh yeah oh yeah um, i bet i bet um i bet it's quite a uh, a rabbit hole to sink into for sure because not only is it a scene but it's like two scenes often considered one big one with many oh. There's so many, yeah, so many like microcosms of it that I wasn't even exposed to there. That's the one of the only things I sort of regret is like I was definitely just like working hard and hustling really hard, kind of similar like here, like I was subbing in and playing with tons of bands up there, all in a genre in a scene, you know, like he's like, this is what's presented. So I'm going to get after this and just totally missed. Um, so much of the other music that was happening but very aware of it you know happening 
um, yeah, it's, you know, it's cool up there. I liked it. Um, great eats. And I know this is like weather stuff is kind of boring and annoying, but it was honestly, I moved because it was too, one of the reasons I moved is too cold. I don't blame you. Like it's, <laughs> that's why everyone gets the hell out of the Midwest. Uh, yeah. I get the chance. I mean, I love Milwaukee. I've been in the Midwest my whole life, but if there's one push factor, that's usually the big one. No, totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, so do you can't, you came back to Milwaukee after school? Yep. Came back to Milwaukee after school um, for two opportunities. One was like kind of a volunteer volunteer thing that some friends were starting up and then the other one was um Andrew Koenig who I went to high school with and had known since then mm. had recently um become moved from bass to guitar in the thrift tones and there was a uh, open slot that he invited me mm. on so really hit the ground running when I came back to Milwaukee for sure oh yeah dope that's so dope yeah I uh Matt Davies was on the show a couple months ago um, okay. and he talked a lot about his new solo record, which is fantastic. Shout out to the middle child. Yeah. Yep. Um, super good. Uh, we talked a little bit about thrift tones, but um, just that you guys hadn't been able to really get together since COVID. So is that mm -hmm. kind of where it's at? It's sort of just like the future's bleak. Sort of, yeah, and just and just sort of undefined. I mean, I would say even for like the last two years, um, I mean, I was touring really heavy, like really heavy with the Joseph Huber band, and then Andrew got picked up by Buffalo Gospel and started doing touring, um, and then Matt's father of the year over here, and he was just start having all these babies. <laughs> so yeah. you know, things get uh, it just people's timeframes worked out differently. Um, last year, me and Matt did some touring just as a duo and did some thrift tone songs. Got to do a couple songs off the middle child thing. Mm. We were kind of trying to bill it as a, uh, kind of like a laid back contemporary Everly Brothers thing. Oh, we sure. And stuff sometimes. And like I was singing all these harmonies. Yeah, we were doing extended harmonies on his solo songs and thrift tone songs and stuff. But that was kind of in the place of um, the dematerializing of thrift tones. I got you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's totally understandable. Um, how did you uh, get in cahoots with uh, Huber? Um, it was at a house show. So I was... Um, doing a house show with Andrew with that, uh, the Jesse Walker's Hitch, which was all just strictly like, uh, like 30s, 1930s to 1950s um, blues and folk music, like country blues, Delta blues, folk music, this sort of thing. Um, and yeah, we were doing a house show and um, Joe was playing as a duo with a fiddle player and um, yeah, basically he came up to me and was like, hey man, I got a tour in a month and a half and we don't have a bass player. Uh, um, can you go on tour? And I was like, okay, let me get back to you on that. Um, and I was aware of his music before, so I'm not gonna lie. I was like in the back of my mind, like, all right, cool. This is like, I'm pretty excited about this, you know, trying not to show it. And then I quit my, yeah, then I just said, this is worth it. So I just quit my job and uh, 
yeah and then went on the road for <laughs> the next five years basically that's that's awesome i mean that's that is pretty cool like how you obviously like you and him obviously have great you know chemistry together as musicians and you stuck with each other for so long mm-hmm. um yeah uh there's some real uh tear jerkers on moondog that's for sure it's there's some really potent songs on there and in a really good way like it's yeah. a beautiful record um i mean yeah he's definitely um poetry minded in his writing in a big way um yeah and for a while like on the last let's see well including this one that would be coming um the last two records um i've been actually involved in the recording process of that so i didn't even really think that hard you know you kind of take it for granted because you're just doing it all the time so there'd be like weird bubbles like playing it live where it would just be like oh dang joe just said that oh he's been saying that this entire time okay joe you know like it's a i'm i feel grateful to um initially to have been hired by a great performer and songwriter um and now um, I'm, you know, grateful to call him one of my best friends. You know, it's funny how things roll like that, but it's nice. It's inspirational being around talented people like that. You know, obviously, it, even if you're not trying to, it pushes you, you know, you're just around people creating at a level of excellence and you just, your cogs start turning to, you start seeing things in different ways. Yeah. 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 No, he's... He's so cool, man. I like, I just, <laughs> I, he is so cool. I like, he's I, out, right? yeah, he was on about a year ago okay. and, um, yeah, we just drank Ham's Tall Boys and he was talking <laughs> about the, um, was it the 357, uh, string band? String band, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's talking about that and, um, yeah, he's really cool to hang out with. He's love hearing what he has to say and, um, that kind of, uh sort of my follow-up question is um uh are you guys so what are you guys working on like you 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 mentioned that there's um something that you guys are working on and mm-hmm. yeah so there's an album that um we're actually just i got <laughs> yesterday when i was you know hauling him around at like one in the morning because <laughs> his key busted off in his car he was kind of telling me some details is um i re- i helped him I recorded bass on an entire record um, a couple months ago and we we're he was working on it and sending me stuff throughout most of the initial like heavy quarantine portion. Um, so I think ideally in August there'll be a new record out or sometime in the summer there'll be a new record out but um, the songs are done it's just kind of the fine tuning bits now. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited to hear it. Um... Yeah, I, especially after just, you know, such a mortal and viscerally, you know, effective year. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys have, uh, you know, how you guys have, you know, converted those feelings and ideas or whatever it is that, you know, you guys have 
what's inspired you in this time uh, and what it turns into. Well, honestly, that's been sort of the, you know, blessing in disguise throughout all of this. And like, I have a pretty hard time sitting still anyway. Um, and like generally winter is when I do a lot of writing because it forces you to be inside and sit still. So this like whole year has been like a really productive year for me personally for writing, um, recording music, like all over the board because it has been the only outlet, but it's been in a certain way, it's been kind of great. Like I've really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, it's just, it has allowed me to allow me the time, you know? Um, yeah. And I definitely miss some aspects of touring for sure, but I haven't minded the creative force that comes with being uh, grounded for longer periods of time. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that. Like, um, you know, there's obviously I miss going out to shows. I miss seeing my friends out. I miss just being able to, you know, just miss, you know, having a bunch of options for like what you can do. Um, that's yeah. Like, we, yeah, dude, we all miss that. But, you know, what you said is key. Like that is sort of, you know, finding capacity to create at the, at the moment. And, you know, we've been really busy with breaking and entering in this time. And a lot of people have started new projects or they're doing solo work, like a lot of solo stuff right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's, there's merit to just how people have converted the otherwise like despair that COVID and the pandemic and all of the injustices in the last year, like how, you know, people are placing those deep feelings into creative expression in very personal ways, in ways they wouldn't have really either thought to or, you know, had really the space to do like totally. pre-pandemic. So yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, for sure. Having the, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Having the space for it. Um, yeah. is cool. And um, yeah, I mean, if, if you do have the creative space, which even having time doesn't necessarily equate to that always. Um, like there's definitely a period right at the beginning of it where I was just like too confused and anxious and like losing all of my money in every single direction right when the it first hit that it was like too distracted to even use the space that I had but yeah I mean it feels good to just be able to be writing and it's like even if you don't use it and just put it in the back pocket for a while I mean I've kind of always had that mentality is like even if you don't end up using it you know get just if it's in your head get it down and uh you know, store on a computer, store in a notebook, um, which actually kind of came to fruition with this um, new record for Joe that I'm pretty excited about because this is the first time that I have a writing credit on the record. So one of the songs is something I wrote in his truck um, like four years ago, three years ago or something like that that just kind of came back around, you know? So hopefully all this time at home slowly you know, in the course of the future here, um, can have something usable from it all. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I agree. Um, yeah, uh, we'll be watching for that. So tell me a little bit about Jesse Walker's pitch. Um, 
just what that project's all about and how you got involved. Honestly, it was like basically a hobby band. Um, so I said, me and Andrew Koenig went to um, high school together and he had a job cleaning a barber shop, like a, like an old timey style, like barbershop too. Wow. Like the whole deal, like um, straight razor old, I don't, so I'd say old Sicilian guys, but that might've been where I got my haircut as a kid. Um, but it was on Capitol. So he would bring me in there um, once a week and clean the place. And he was, a, you know, once again, I had an upright bass and he's always been a fantastic guitar player. Even as like a youth, it was like always pretty mind blowing. Um, and I think we had both just been like exposed to something like the old Crow Medicine show. And oh, yeah. he'd been listening, he turned me on to all Delta blues, country blues, all that stuff. Cause uh, his father is kind of a esteemed blues musician in Milwaukee. So he turned me on. I had no idea what any of that was before I met him. So yeah, we just kind of came together and we're messing around with it. Um, then I had him up in the Twin Cities and we did a couple shows, but it was really just fun. It was kind of more an excuse to hang out. And then we turned it into I mean, I want to say, I don't want to say this to like cheapen it or anything like that. Um, but when I moved back to Milwaukee, we kind of saw a way to um, turn it into money because it was like we had a repertoire of all mostly public domain music, mm. um, like probably three hours of music. And we were both doing the switching off leading songs, switching off instruments. Um, so we had like a whole show that's pretty low-key and pretty easy to bring to bars restaurants like all kinds of casual settings so we were really using it as like a uh, a residency band just to put a couple extra bucks in our pockets doing something that we love and be able to get together um we never recorded any material for that i think we maybe had like a, i think we did a little demo a little house demo but it wasn't really necessary and it wasn't exactly our goal either um but then kind of same deal um once we both start going on the road that it had its purpose had been served you know <laughs> yeah yeah no, it sounds like a band to spill beer to and uh, totally. have just shoot the shit with your friends um yeah yeah no and that's cool i mean it's cool that you know you have a um that you had a project to kind of um, to sort of allocate that that like more leisurely feel, uh, you know. I, I especially with how many projects you're in, I imagine like that's important, you know. Just right. be able to release and have a band where you just play fun and. and well, that's that's totally it, and um, especially because there's a huge comfort level because of our extended history playing together and. Um, so it was also really about sharpening the tools because I mean, definitely from those years of doing these, you know, three shows a month sort of thing. Um, yeah. Nights when you're going to rock three hours with just two people on stage. And sometimes there's five people in the audience. You can really have the liberty to, um, I mean, really push songs. So especially towards the end of it, I mean, we were really not playing the songs the same way yeah. at all um so it was like a really great chance to try new things learn new things yeah sharpen 
sharpen the tools basically um there's a lot of chances that i wouldn't have taken other in other <laughs> yeah. you know areas that i took with that that um helped me grow a ton as a musician for sure that's important yeah uh, yeah it's because kind of you're cutting your teeth thing you know yeah yeah because you're taking what you're already comfortable with and like what you already like um you know what you're already well-rounded in but putting different edges to it totally um, and that keeps it always fun keeps it new keeps it refreshing you know like so it doesn't ever get like stale or anything mm -hmm. um cool um and then finally um before we talk about your solo stuff uh playing with abdo kambie yeah um so yeah uh how would you uh get involved with him um man this is funny because this is gonna be this is like a bunch of similar names like thrown out here is um i was cooling out with joe at the jazz estate a bunch of years ago and um johanna was there and um they have a, like they know each other all of them actually knew each other before i knew um before i ever met abdu and um so we introduced there at the jazz estate and then abdu had contacted johanna to play bass and they said hey actually i think i know a guy that might have um more time or might be better suited to do what you're looking for so then um yeah we exchanged contact having met one time before like name with a face and then just start going for it and it like you know clicked right away um the style of learning the music um is something that i hadn't done for a really long time um so i i like briefly studied sitar when i was in the twin cities so that's a sort of um it's like oral tradition style thing so you know it's really like, I mean, I was scared because I was young, you know, I was probably like 19 and just like you sit down in front of this dude and you both have the thing. And I, you know, I don't know really how to play the solo. That's why I'm there. And he goes, okay, Aston, play this. And you go, oh man, okay. Nope, start over. Uh, you know, so it's like pretty stressful because it's literally just like, you're going to play from ear and response exactly yeah. what i'm playing until you get it right and then we'll move on so like man that talk about slow moving you know like that was a pretty intense learning curve but it's great for your ear and it is great for you know definitely knew the song <laughs> that's for sure so that's the same way um that me and abdu have been learning music is um a lot of times he'll say okay you know this is the general feel that i'm going for and um what do you think about this or like here is this melody of the song and you can you know maybe either match it it's like this you know and plays it he does i mean we do throw the actual notes around too you know he can be like okay like it's in f or something like this you know um but it's been awesome i missed it and that's how i started playing just period was by ear um yeah. like at home just putting on the cds and playing along with it so like it's been kind of i forgot about that you know um that type of learning i guess um reading most things from charts and stuff like that since so it's really hit a chord with me i'm super excited about the project to be honest i'm really excited um we've been laying some 
digital drum stuff and like kind of trying to move it maybe in a more contemporary direction. I don't really know. Like we're really just kind of having fun and exploring the possibilities of the sound right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been having a blast with that project. Oh, good. Good. That's awesome. Uh, what's his the instrument he plays? Was it the Cora? Is that Cora. what it's called? Yep. Uh, K-O-R-A. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember I first read about him when I was, I was looking for shows to cover, like, <clears throat> you know, I would like scour the Facebook event, like Facebook pages of like the different venues and see like what was going on. And I saw his name and he was playing at like the Ivy house. And uh, I remember like, I really wanted to go see him, but I couldn't for some reason. But then I saw he was going to be performing at uh, Circle A with Father Sky was on that night. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Anthony. I love Anthony too. Yep. Yeah, seriously, great voice, great player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's great. Um, but I used to, I lived right across the street from Circle A um, at the I time. Of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, perfect. I'll just walk right across the street and see these, see this guy playing. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, what you guys, um, how you guys continue building. Same. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I really appreciate that. And yeah, I'm hoping uh, at this point with, uh, you know, unforeseeable sort of things in the future, like I said, just like uh, right now, we're just going to keep, keep the tools really sharp. So when it is time we can come out swinging and then um, hopefully my goal, um, we haven't exactly talked about this super hard yet, but uh, my goal is to like at least wrap up, in the next couple months, like over winter, like one song really polished and really good and try to bump that out. So I think that's a very achievable goal, but I would love to get um, A, just some music out, but B, um, his music, I think is great. Um, so yeah, I'd like to get that circulating uh, as soon as possible. Oh yeah, let me know if you do. I certainly will, I certainly will. Fuck yeah. Um, dope. Uh, great. So all this said, you know, we're talking about all these other projects that, you know, you play with a bunch of different musicians. And of course, um, you have a solo project and, um, you did mention when we, um, we just kind of like touched base a little bit when we were planning this episode that, um, the record that you dropped a couple of years ago, um, old timey, you know, banjo, uh, banjo center centered music mm -hmm. um which by the way i listened to yesterday in the shower okay and, uh, <laughs> put it on and uh was uh in the shower and the two dollar bill song was playing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun awesome man yeah 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 no it was yeah i mean there's some there's some really good songs on there for sure um but you said that what you're working on now is completely different from that yeah um yeah like like i said man, i have a hard time um i have a hard time being still sometimes so um i did record the follow-up to that record over quarantine um the old time arrangements volume two um and but i have been so wrapped up with this other stuff that i don't even know what i'm gonna do i mean the whole record's done i like don't even 
<laughs> like I just don't know um, what to do with it or if I want to do anything with it because I've been focusing on this other stuff. Um, so the first thing is last last year um, I wrote a record of uh, kind of like '60s vocal music influence stuff. So like um, like Rocksteady and Scott, like early ska music and all the way to like doo-wop and early R&B style. Um, and I just recorded all that in a home studio sort of thing. Um, Three-part harmony is this whole deal. And I was really happy with the record, but there were certain things I couldn't do um, by myself and didn't have the time. So I put it on hold for a while. Um, and then I had been recently uh, recording uh, a documentary soundtrack with Andrew Harris, mm -hmm. who lives in River West as well. Great musician, um, plays in a bunch of different stuff also. Um, and big shouts out to him because we, when we had just been hanging out last year, I had shown him some of the songs and he basically, while we were working on this documentary a couple months ago, was like, um, you can't tank this man, you know, you gotta, you should really go through with this. So he's hooked me up with uh, his friend at Crutch of Memory Studios in uh, Appleton. Mm. And we're basically finishing up some vocal tracks right now and then sending that up there, ideally in the next month um, for drums and production. And I'm really hoping that that comes out in the summer. Sweet. Really hoping for it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, man. Um, that would be great. Uh, I mean, obviously, take your time. I mean, do what you got to do. But yeah, I mean, it. Um, that sounds like a really like broad array of influences and you mm -hmm. know just um really it sounds like it really showcases your your versatility that's exciting to hear and uh yeah. i look i look forward to uh, when it finally comes out man that sounds great me too man and i'll definitely i'll definitely tell you about it because i think that's kind of going to be the i'm just like i said i'm with the old time stuff i'm kind of putting that aside so for all of this new stuff that's coming, I'm thinking there's going to be sort of, I'm going to call the project something different or like have mm -hmm. a moniker sort of deal and just release folk music under my name and then have this other name. Um, because honestly, that, I mean, I've been sitting on that for, all, for a little over a year now. So it's just like, I'm just dying to put that out. But in the meantime, um, I've already recorded half of another record. Yeah. Of, once again, relatively different music. That's like a lot more contemporary. Um, I you, got a lot, you got a lot of shit in the vault, dude. It, there's a lot in the vault. <laughs> um, but I mean, there's only so much that you can do on your own, you know? And that's the thing is like, I could put all this music out right now and have like this sweet lo-fi band camp or something like that and there's nothing wrong with that and that's cool and I've done had tons of different pages like that that I've subsequently deleted but um I know I really want to put stuff out that is um completed in the best possible way that it can and I don't mind holding stuff until it is to a standard that I think is um acceptable yeah. To me, to everyone else who is on a certain competitive level or something like that, you know? 
yeah yeah like i um yeah no and i agree like that's the way it should be um you know it's genre dependent too you know like like i said folk music i love folk punk music too and all of that the style of how you can release music is sonically really different and you can just really get away with it being a lot in my opinion a lot more primitive um in how it's you know released mastered everything like that you know depending on the style like the music that you listen to the old time thing is that's all ancient public domain songs so like i don't really care about that being super squeaky you know but like like right now i'm working on some songs that are kind of more in like the uh like r&b and like kind of like jazz like jazz r&b realm of things and like you know i want that to be pretty squeaky (laughs) you know you want the you want the production value to to match the level of like emotion if you will or you know how much went into you like finding what how you wanted this record to sound like you know like Mm kind of you want you just want that the production and the technical aspects to be on par with you know the the road that led you there so i get that totally so that's why i say take your time do what you gotta do (laughs) um yeah this is so great to talk to you man uh get to know you better yeah man this is fun um if uh you know if um it weren't for a pandemic i well after the pandemic's over we should definitely hang out more man i agree yeah man absolutely yeah actually just moved out of river west uh recently Oh, really? Where, where to? Good excuses to come back post-pandemic and hang out. I'm in Bayview now. Ah, uh, well, you know, that's a common graduation. I uh, know, right? I know. <laughs> Super classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, yeah. man, you got you got some of the best food in the city down in Bayview, though, so. Uh... Yeah, well, it was one of these things, you know, it was a, I loved living in River West, and uh, it's a really creative spot, for sure. It's very you're very accessible to a lot of creative people around cool place to be for sure but um i had to um go for the extra room i got an opportunity to get a place with extra room so now you know with all this recording stuff it's a lot easier like in my old place i would turn my entire living room like flip it upside down every time i was going to record so it's nice to be able to walk in and just pick something up and be like great here we go. I, yeah yeah no, i hear you dude this was this past year was the first time i got my own place and Congrats. i actually have stuff now you know <laughs> yeah. yep that happens. that happens yeah like it was my first time in an ikea and like you know getting all this shit that you know i just never uh owned like and had spread out like mm-hmm. i always just kind of had my own room but Right. Yeah, man. I mean, it's now that I think that the pandemic, quarantine, good time to uh, graduate to, uh, you know, more um, ideal living situations. It's kind of a good time to do that. I was Um, very grateful that I had the opportunity to, for sure. Oh, yeah. So those are closing out. Um, Eston, tell me what keeps you up at night. 
what keeps me up at night? Yes. <laughs> Dang. These um, are the, this is what I this is what I ask everyone on the way out. Um honestly what keeps me up at night is just um just thinking about how to hit that next thing in the most effective way and yeah, what that next thing is gonna be. I guess and and where it's gonna be, you know, just trying to stay on top of two weeks from now all the time so that it makes you know now setting yourself up now for two weeks from now to be easier um and just yeah keeping the ball rolling just making sure everything i'm working on is swimming yeah 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 definitely um what puts you to dude that's been keeping me up just like all night long what has tiktok man i'll be sitting on my phone and (laughs) damn it's two in the morning (laughs) man I I have not gotten uh, on the TikTok train yet recently or yet yet like I I mean I I have it like downloaded on my phone I only follow like my two friends but that's it's just another like scrolling catalyst that I, I feel like I don't need because especially because I I really got into Reddit this last year okay. You know, so I just, I don't need another one. You know? Sure. But I, but all these like memes and trends and shit are all coming from TikTok. Right. Like, and that's why I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm an old man in that sense where it's like people are talking about gorilla glue right now. It's like, <laughs> is that another TikTok thing? Like, yep. yeah. Yeah, you know, it, I came I came relatively late to it too, and also was feeling like a total grandpa. Um, yeah, until I got in the swing of it, and now it's just like a, it's like relaxation technology. Like I used to just do the same thing on YouTube, just like all right, I'm taking an hour to just really go wherever and not think about anything else. It's great for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. It centers you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what puts you to sleep? Um, honestly, when I'm at my place, I like to uh, I like to put a record on, like that something that I know is solid all the way through, relaxing. Just let one side spin out. Um, and this is kind of hilarious and tacky too. I have this lava lamp. yeah they're great so mine's pink so it's not too bright and yeah i'll stare at that and make it happen dude yeah i guess sometimes the record things can work the other way because then you start getting really excited about that like i've been doing this vinyl spin thing online now so it's like it's adding fun to music in one way because i'm always excited about you know like getting the next thing for the next spin but then also it's like taking the relaxation out of it because i'm thinking too hard about like oh man like, yeah, I could use this track next time around. Yeah, right. Or it becomes like an active thinking process. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. I um yeah, no, I, I I don't like the dark. So I um I've slept with a lava lamp like basically every night for the last year. And um crazy. I didn't even realize that was in the background. Yeah, dude. Yeah, man, it's it's great. I've I've uh I've loved the lava lamp ever since I was a kid. So, um, it's classic. It is. Thanks, <laughs> Esten, for being on the show. 
dude. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, for everyone watching, uh, we've got a lot of projects tag with this one, um, but I'll be uh, posting links to Thrift Tones, uh, Joseph Huber, um, Eston Bennett's uh, solo work and uh, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, we'll look forward to what he's doing uh, for the in the coming months. Um, we'll be watching. And thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy, as always. We'll see you next time.